I don't think Georgia misses a beat at all with Carson Beck. Uh, I don't. And look, I, I think Stetson Bennett did a lot of amazing things. Uh, I think he was a great player. I think he's a great story. Um, but I think Carson Beck, from a talent standpoint, and if the shift offensively that I anticipate takes place, I think they're going to be just fine. Welcome in. It's always college football. Today is the April 3rd edition of ACF. Thank you so much for being here. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. We have an awesome show for you today. We're going to go through several different championship contenders. Several. Lost their starting quarterback. We're going to gauge just how big those shoes are and are they capable of being filled. Plus, this past weekend... Another national championship contender who, by the way, has their starting quarterback back. That's the Michigan Wolverines. They had their spring game. We'll break that down extensively via our mailbag questions. And then, of course, why wouldn't we go through and make some prognostications about whether or not a team is going to drop off at all at the quarterback spot? Why wouldn't we do that? We'll do that today. It's a Monday edition of Always College Football. Let's talk about it. All right, who has the biggest shoes to fill at quarterback? If you look at all the top teams from last year, depending on your interpretation of top teams, there are a bunch, a bunch of teams that will be vying for playoff contention that might have rookie quarterbacks under center. Now, this has not been, in recent years at least, This has not been a deal breaker en route to a national championship. There have been several quarterbacks in the last 15 years that are in their first year as the starting quarterback that ultimately went on to win the national championship. You think all the way back to 2007, 2009, 2011, 2015, a bunch. 2010, there have been a bunch in the last 15 years in which guys are starting for the very first time and then they go and win a championship. However, the quarterback position, as we know, has become so outrageously important to your team's success as it relates to winning a national championship. So we figured we'd look at some of the biggest vacancies at the position for legitimate playoff contenders and go through the list. Now, you might disagree with our list of legitimate playoff contenders, but we just viewed it because we viewed some of these teams as having significant holes to fill based on how good the previous guy was and what the aspirations of the team are this year. So just take it with a grain of salt. If there's a team that you disagree with, if you think there's a team that we notably omitted, let us know. Always College Football on social media at Always CFB. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Let's start with Alabama. We look at Alabama and we look at what was lost with Bryce Young's departure. We know a national championship. We know an offense that was based almost exclusively on his productivity. Now, not to take anything away from the run game or Jameer Gibbs or any of those guys, but Bryce Young, you take him off of last year's Alabama team, they are very, very human. If you don't agree with me, just watch the Texas A&M game and look at how closely contested that game was and the fact that A&M finished the season 5-7 and seven should tell you all you need to know. Bryce Young, massive shoes, maybe the biggest shoes in all of college football to fill here in 2023, and the couple guys vying for it right now, a guy that started that Texas A&M game, Jalen Milrow, 
and the guy that redshirted last year played in four games but only attempted five passes, and that would be Ty Simpson. Right now, the quarterback competition very much open. Let's start with Milrow because we have a little bit more on him. Milrow is a fascinating, fascinating prospect to consider. A guy that has ridiculous physical skill set. Big arm, unbelievable athleticism, and has showcased the quarterback run game on several different occasions. It's been noted by Nick Saban and others that he is the most explosive and fastest player on the team. This says a lot on a team that prides themselves on having tremendous speed. Let's look at what he did. Look at the 77-yard run against Arkansas. And I know Arkansas wasn't great defensively last year, but look at just the burst that he put on the tape right there. You also look at the fact that he has 14 career rushes that went for 10 or more yards. That is significant as well. He can make plays with his legs like nobody else Alabama's had since Jalen Hurts back in 2016. But you look at his throw numbers and his, I guess, inaccuracies from time to time, and you're left with a little bit of doubt. According to, and you take this with whatever grain of salt that you want to take it with, True Media, which is a source that we use at ESPN, 24% of his passes last year were quote-unquote off target. That was 194th out of 204 FBS quarterbacks that qualified. That Those were quarterbacks that threw 50 or more passes. So he was 194 out of 205 on accuracy numbers. Now, that's not the end of the world because we've seen guys grow by leaps and bounds as far as their accuracy is concerned as they get more reps and as they get more comfortable. And if you're put into a spot start or if you're there just on limited reps, your accuracy is probably not going to be as good, just to take it with a slight grain of salt. But we know his athleticism's off the charts, but the accuracy and the concerns as it relates to turnovers are something that will come to the forefront. I think both Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow are very adequate options given the shift that we're going to see from Alabama with their offensive philosophy. Tommy Reese comes down from Notre Dame. I anticipate it to be a run-centric style of attack that emphasizes toughness along the line of scrimmage and an A-gap to A-gap run game. I think they're going to get downhill, and I would expect this Alabama team to look a little bit more like the Derrick Henry-led version of 2015 than it did at any point in the last several years under Mac Jones, Tua Tungavaloa, Jalen Hurts, and of course, Bryce Young. So massive shoes to fill, but the role of the quarterback spot for the Crimson Tide probably not going to be quite as significant as it's been the last handful of years. Let's move next to a guy that will be jockeying with Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick, and that would be C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. We all know what... C.J. Stroud did in his time. And he might, you can make a strong case that he saved his best performance of his college career for his final performance against the Georgia Bulldogs. Here's what I'll say about Ohio State's quarterback situation. Dating all the way back over the last, gosh, handful of seasons, whether it be Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, even in into the Terrell prior years, even before that with Troy Smith, you look at the offense that's been used since Urban Meyer took over back in two thousand early 2010s. And the offense that they've used has always been extremely quarterback friendly. Of course, Ryan Day runs a slightly different offense. It's not quite the same as, as what was run under Urban Meyer. But 
tell me this, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, tell me a time in which you've been legitimately concerned about the quarterback play for Ohio State. Tell me a time, because I, I can't think of one. Now, for what JT Barrett was, for example, JT Barrett was maybe not the, the best pro prospect, but he was an excellent and efficient winner at the college level. And a guy that understood his role within the offense, and he understood what he needed to do within the offense to be successful. Now, Cardell Jones, a little more horsepower as far as throwing the football, but equally good when it came to winning games. And I think when you look at the way that this offense makes it easy on the quarterback and the supporting cast that he's going to have at wide receiver, it's going to be ridiculous. This is just not a position with this offense. This is not a position that I've ever been concerned about. Think about this. Ohio State's starting quarterback has finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting in five consecutive years and eight of the last 11 seasons. Okay, it's pretty remarkable. But I would argue C.J. Stroud might be the most difficult to replace. Why? Because he was just so dang accurate and he was so comfortable within the system. Now, vying for the position right now, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. Now, we've seen McCord probably has a little bit of an edge right here just because we've seen him on the field as a starting quarterback. We've seen him out there performing at a pretty high level, albeit against somewhat moderate competition, uh, to put it lightly. But I do think that you have a little bit younger offensive line and you do have that experienced and elite level receiver core to the outside. I think he's in a really good position, McCord is, to at least lock down the position just because he has so much experience relative to the guy he's going up against in Devin Brown. Because when you look at Devin Brown, while, yes, comes in as a blue chip recruit, a guy that everybody wanted, guy that was, according to some publications, the number one overall prospect in the entire country in the 2022 class, he only played in two games and didn't attempt to pass. So we're operating with a little bit less information about what he could potentially do. But based on his pedigree coming through the recruiting process, the sky's the limit. I think it'll be McCord at this point, but it's to be determined at least into fall camp as to exactly what that pecking order is going to be. I would be surprised if any decision is made in the next three or four months before the season gets kicked off. But either way, massive shoes to fill for CJ Stroud. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Moving on to the Tennessee Volunteers. Hendon Hooker was lost late in the season against South Carolina. But if you look at what Hendon Hooker did over the course of 2022 and 2021, very few quarterbacks in all of college football made better and more consistent decisions than Hendon Hooker. He understood how to get the ball out quickly. He understood how to extend plays. He was very accurate on the downfield passes. He gave his receivers a chance. And within this offense, he did a really good job of reading leverage of the defender and understanding where his receiver was going to go right as the ball was snapped. This is an offense that requires a lot of reading. This is an offense that requires a lot of moving and adjusting on the fly and being on the same page with your wide receivers. And Hennon Hooker showed a masterclass of being able to do that over the course of his two seasons as a starter. However, he wasn't the starter going into 2021. Joe Milton was, and he's the guy that is likely, highly likely, I might add, I think he's highly likely to be the guy that starts for the volunteers this fall. He's already showcased a couple of times just how capable he might be. Looked great against Vanderbilt. Looked great against Clemson. And the one thing... When you look at Joe Milton, he almost has too much arm for his own good. And that's okay as long as you understand how to put the restrictor plate on that right arm and make sure you're not overthrowing wide receivers when they're behind the defense. And he did that time and time again in his short stint as a starter in 2021 and at times as a backup in a mop-up role over the last couple of years. I feel like he's reined that in. I think he has a new lease on life too. Being an understudy, having a better grasp of what the offense was and getting those valuable reps at the end of game has helped him take significant strides. And if you look at it, I know it's a small sample size, but he looks poised to take a significant leap. And I think he's one of the dark horses coming into this year as a potential Heisman Trophy candidate. Now, it's early. I'm not going to lose my mind over the last two games of the season and just put this guy up there like we did Jeremy Johnson a million years ago. No, not going to do that. I'm going to resist that temptation. But the offense is suited around the quarterback. It's a quarterback-friendly offense. You still have excellent wideouts. Got to replace some pieces along the offensive line. But Joe Milton, if he can continue to progress the way he did at the end of last season from where he was at the beginning of 2021, he could be poised for a significant leap. So a guy that I'm very, very excited about, and I'm just not that concerned about replacing Hendon Hooker. His intangibles will be difficult to replicate. The guy was a tremendous leader and a guy that everyone could latch onto when the moment got big. But I still think that Joe Milton ultimately might have even a little bit more talent, natural talent. Now, talent doesn't mean you're a good player. Okay? Talent doesn't mean that you're a productive player. It just means that if you can understand how to harness that talent and if you can maximize your potential, the sky is the limit for what Joe Milton could potentially become within Tennessee's offense. Moving next to a guy that also started at the beginning of a season only to be unseated by a guy that went on to have a ridiculous year. That would be Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris at TCU. Now, Max Duggan, the rest is history. Chandler Morris gets banged up against Colorado. He is out, tweaks his knee. In comes Max Duggan. And he has a sensational season. Not that dissimilar to what you see from Tennessee. It's a very quarterback-friendly system. And if you look at Morris, dating back to 2021 when he got some playing time, the guy's got some legitimate electricity. 
Now, is he as physically tough as Max Duggan? Is he the type of galvanizing leader that Max Duggan is? I don't know the answer to those things. And a big part of the storyline around Chandler Morris is can he avoid the unfortunate injury? He's had some injury troubles, got a little bit banged up at times, not the biggest guy in the world. He's going to have to be smart about the hits he takes, but he was a highly regarded prospect coming out of high school. He's already won the starting job in preseason camp. And I would think that after things didn't go his way last year, he might be in a position like Joe Milton is to come back after being an understudy and having it taken from you. I think you're going to have a new level of focus from Chandler Moore. So while the shoes that Max Duggan leaves are significant, I do think Chandler Morris, as far as just talent, might be every bit as good as Max Duggan. But will he have the intangible characteristics that helped Max Duggan carry TCU all the way to the national championship game? Those are the questions that I have. I know he can play. I know he can throw it. I know he can run. I know he can create. But can he lead the team to the promised land in crunch time the way Max Duggan did time and time and time again throughout last season? That will be the most difficult part of replacing the Heisman Trophy runner-up from a year ago. Moving next to the national champions, the team the TCU came up short against in the national championship game, that would be the Georgia Bulldogs. And Stetson Bennett, where Stetson Bennett was difficult to defend is he made the off-schedule play. And he, for whatever reason, always had a knack for being able to create when nothing was there. The defense could dial it up perfectly. It could be a perfectly executed blitz. It could be a perfectly executed line stunt. It could be a perfectly executed late rotation in the secondary. And next thing you know, Stetson Bennett's running around for his life and he takes it 35 yards down the sideline because he makes a defender miss and he's out the gates and you can't play man coverage against him because if you only have one guy for him, you're in trouble. You couldn't really rush him like crazy because he could escape vertical in the pocket. Stetson Bennett was really, really good. He was a really, really good football player and will be difficult to replace, I think. I think his shoes are significant. But I look at the guys that are vying for the position and much like some of the aforementioned guys, I think Carson Beck, having called his spring game, having seen him throw it just right there on the field, watching him, seeing the ball come out of his hand, seeing how accurate he is, seeing his ball placement, I think Carson Beck's a, re a real, real NFL prospect. I really believe that. Now, he's got to put it all together. He's got to play at a high level. He's got to make great decisions. He's got to be able to improvise. But if you already look at some of the additions that Kirby Smart has made in the portal, if you can kind of start to put the pieces together, he's already kind of showing his hand that it's probably going to be Carson Beck as the starting quarterback. And you take it one step further. If you look at all the top 50 quarterback recruits from 2017 to 2020, the top 50 quarterback recruits from 17 to 20, that's a four-year span. Carson Beck is the only quarterback that didn't start at any point in his first three years that didn't transfer. He's the only one. Why do you think that is? Because Either something was promised to him or he knew the light at the end of the tunnel would result in him 
becoming the starting quarterback for a national championship contender and likely heading into the season, the national championship preseason favorite. So I think Carson Beck has waited his turn and as a fourth-year junior is primed and positioned to become the guy. Now, it's not taking anything away from Brock Vandegrift, not taking anything away from the young guys that are also vying for the position, but I think it's going to be very difficult to unseat a guy that has seen this much time and this much action, 168 career snaps, and he's thrown only 35 career passes, but he's been very efficient in the time that he's been out there, albeit in mop-up duty. And like I said a second ago, Kirby's already kind of showing his hand a little bit. You go out, you get Dominic Lovett. You go out, you get Robert Thomas. You go out, you try to be active in the portal when you haven't been in the past, and you try to improve your receiver core, anticipating a move that's probably going to lead your offense to become a little bit more pass-happy as opposed to what they used the last couple of years. So I'm anticipating a little bit of a shift with offensive philosophy under Mike Bobo. And I expect that shift to favor Carson Beck, who I think is ultimately going to adequately fill the shoes of Stetson Bennett. And then finally, you're going to say, I don't know about this team as a national championship contender. I beg the differ. The Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, Sean Clifford departs. And a lot of people have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Sean Clifford. Understandably so. There were some great moments. There were some disappointing moments. There were a lot of inconsistent moments. So if you are a Penn State fan and you're not that disappointed about Sean Clifford moving on to the next phase of his life, I understand that. I completely understand that. But let's not get enamored with the young guy just yet. Now, I think Drew Aller's got a chance to be a really solid quarterback, but there are a couple of question marks that I would like to have answered. Now, Sean Clifford was not fleet of foot. He's certainly not Lamar Jackson. No one's going to try to convince me otherwise. Now, he could keep you honest and he could extend plays and was a big guy and was pretty difficult to bring down once he got a full head of steam. And if you got a hand on him, that might not do the job. But I think that Drew Aller, at this point, I haven't seen him move around the way Sean Clifford did. And the offensive line for Penn State, the last handful of years, has not really been the strength of their team. It's been a really, really, really long time since that group was among the tops in the Big Ten. And I don't think they're going to be among the tops this year as well. Now, they might be better. They might improve. They might do all these other things. But it's not going to be you know, the... 1990s Dallas Cowboys along the offensive line for the Nittany Lions. And that's okay. But Drew Aller's got to be able to showcase to me that he can move around in the pocket. Now, he's big. He's tall. He can rip it. And he has as strong of an arm as anyone in the entire Big Ten. I mean, he'll be in the mix. If you want to try to have a long throw contest, Drew Aller might reign supreme against everyone that I've talked about so far with the exception of Joe Milton. Joe Milton's got the strongest arm in college football. I'm not sure that there's much of a debate in that, but Drew Aller's going to be right there. I mean, he doesn't go take a backseat to hardly anybody. But can he move? Can he make those off-balance throws? He's big enough and he's strong enough to be getting hit, and he can probably still deliver the football accurately. But can he do so in crunch time? Sean Clifford did a pretty good job in crunch time at times throughout the course of his career. Can Drew Aller do the same, especially if the run game is still a little bit of a work in progress. I love their running backs. I absolutely love their running backs. And if they get out in the open field, it's all she wrote. They're taking it to the house. But I still think if they 
want to try to run the ball on obvious rundowns. That's been something that's been a little bit of a challenge for them at times the last couple of years. So how do you complement that run game with a good, solid, slow developing play action pass? And what do you need to have a good, solid, slow developing play action pass? A big arm to drive big posts down the field when those safeties come up and get a little bit nosy. So I think it's a really good mix of how they're going to create run pass. I think it's a really good mix of how they're going to marry it all together. And I think Drew Aller is the right guy for the job, but he's got to be prepared to showcase some of that mobility at times. And I'm not saying mobility does not mean taking off and running and averaging 100 yards on the ground by your quarterback. That's not mobility. Being able to move and slide to your left, still deliver the ball accurately. Be able to move and slide up, still deliver the ball accurately. Move back, move over, move up, throw the ball accurately. That's mobility. You know who's really mobile? Tom Brady. Really mobile. Not a guy that's going to beat you up with his legs, but him being able to move and negotiate the pass rushers in the pocket is a really important characteristic and something that Drew Aller is going to have to show us early in the season in 2023. All right. You just talked about six teams that all finished in the top seven of the final rankings last year. Offensive philosophy changes at Georgia and Alabama, a quarterback room that's always been great at Ohio State. Who do you think out of all, everybody you just mentioned could come in and really not miss a beat and really take that team and just pick up where they left off? Because everybody was close that we talked about last year, but like, who's not going to miss a beat? I don't think Georgia misses a beat at all with Carson Beck. Uh, I don't. And look, I, I think Stetson Bennett did a lot of amazing things. Uh, I think he was a great player. I think he's a great story. Um, but I think Carson Beck from a talent standpoint, and if the shift offensively that I anticipate takes place, I think they're going to be just fine. I don't think there's going to be any issues whatsoever with them transitioning. Now, look, they they have running backs galore. They always do. I mean, even though, you know, down one with a hamstring this, this spring, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Like, they'll be fine. They're going to be able to run the football. The offensive line is going to be rock solid. The receivers and the tight ends, for that matter, all pass catchers are going to be very good for Georgia yet again. That shouldn't come as much of a surprise to anybody. But now I think the quarterback is going to be able to win from the pocket a little bit more so than Stetson Bennett. And that doesn't take anything away from Stetson Bennett. It just means that they're going to look a little bit different offensively. And that's okay. But I think that Stetson Bennett, for as good as he was in as many games as he won, I think Carson Beck's going to be just as good. And I've seen him throw it with my own two eyes in person. I'm a believer. Now, will he win the Heisman Trophy? Will he have the numbers that Stetson Bennett had last year? I, I don't know those things. I, I really don't know those things. But I do know this. I know he's got really impressive skill set. And if you have a really impressive skill set and a really good supporting cast and an offensive coordinator and an offensive philosophy, that I don't think is going to change really that much from where they were to where they are now. I just think it's going to lean a little bit more on the traditional drop back pass then that's going to be okay. I think they're in great shape. And I think Georgia, I'm not saying they're going to upgrade, but I don't think you're going to see this massive drop off at the quarterback spot like you might see at other places after losing a guy that was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, as always, our mailbag is open. Hit us up, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com, or you can do it on our social media at alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. So we appreciate already all the questions you guys have sent us in. We have some that are a little bit more timely right now, so we're going to get to those. Coobs, kick it off. It's like the Michigan mailbag day. Uh, All right, this first one comes from George in Michigan. What, if anything, did you see from Michigan's spring game this past weekend? Also, with so much returning production on the offensive side of the ball, could we see Michigan ranked in the top two or three to start the season? I think they're going to be a top five team. I mean, two or three, I think it's certainly a possibility. I mean, given that they're one of the few teams at the top that's returning a quarterback, I'd I'd be surprised. I think three is probably about right. I mean, mean, preseason... take them for what they're worth. I mean, if I, if I were in charge of college football, I would wait a couple of weeks until we released preseason rankings, but I digress. Uh, I do think it's good for the matchups. I do think it's good for viewership. Anytime we have increased viewership because you see numbers next to the names of the teams, then I can get on board with it. Either way, let's talk about the spring game in and of itself. I thought it was a, first of all, I love the format. All right, you draft teams and you got Team Maze, Team Blue, you know, there, there, there was, we didn't get a great look of what Michigan's going to be offensively, right? I mean, you're without Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and, and CJ Stoke. I mean, you're also without AJ Henning, you know, Tyler Morris. I just, and then defensively, you're without Will Johnson. So it's not like we saw the best of what Michigan's going to be when they take the field in the fall. But here's a few takeaways. From the game. Let's start with JJ McCarthy because, unlike any of the teams we've talked about up to this point, he's back at quarterback and is poised, I think, to have a significant jump this upcoming year. The guy's got so much talent, so much potential. It's just, it's, it just feels like it's time for him to really ascend. And you know, that running game is going to be good. He's going to be a part of it. He's going to complement it. But now the passing attack on standard dropbacks is probably going to be a big part of their offense as well. Look, he had the bad pick on the opening drive, all right? Overthrew Marlon Klein, got intercepted by Johnson. But I thought he bounced back really nicely after that errant throw. He found Peyton O'Leary, who more on him in a minute. Uh, but he found Peyton O'Leary several times on some big-time throws. And then you look at the throw to Jake Thoff for the touchdown. He finished the first half going 7-10 to for 84 yards a touchdown, and that early interception. So I thought the bounce back was very impressive. Also, as far as the quarterback spot, it appears like Jack Tuttle is, I'm not sure he's locked down the number two job, but going into the summer, it does feel like he has a bit of an advantage there as far as the backup race is concerned. But J.J. McCarthy, I thought, really played pretty well, um, given the fact that he's without a, a, a few of his playmakers that he'll have at his disposal when we fast forward into the fall. The other offensive weapons that I thought stepped up that I was very impressed with, Peyton O'Leary, the aforementioned Peyton O'Leary. He looks like a guy that's really going to produce. And you heard rumblings, you heard some buzz about him last fall, about a guy that, hey, man, this is a guy we're really high on. You know, it's a guy that I think is going to play a significant role in the future. Looked like there's already a bit of a rapport that's being developed between him and J.J. McCarthy. So keep an eye and remember that name. Peyton O'Leary, we're going to fast forward into the fall, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is a key piece 
of this offense because even with CJ out there, he's still looking in the direction of O'Leary multiple times. Also thought it was pretty impressive. We know the top tier guys at running back. And I'm not saying you're going to take reps away from Blake Corum. And I'm certainly saying you're not going to take reps away from, from Donovan Edwards. No, no one's suggesting that. And I don't think, so don't take it that way. But it does appear like Benjamin Hall's got a chance to be a guy down the road that could be a factor. 235 pounds, showed some burst. He's a true freshman. And it does seem like he might be kind of that bell cow guy. And maybe in a short yardage situation, he could be a guy that they would lean on at some point in the fall. So a couple of playmakers there offensively that I thought stand stood out. We know the offense is going to be fine. Probably not the best example of an offensive display in their spring game when you're having makeshift offenses and you're drafting teams and all this other stuff. I mean, the defense really, I mean, they really dominated most of the day. They had four turnovers, two picks, two fumbles, and it just seemed like the offense had a little bit of a difficult time getting consistent drives going. few things that we have also kind of figured out now. It feels like Braden McGregor is going to have a big year. Feels like he's poised for a really big year, but there were two other guys there on the edge that I was a little impressed by. I wasn't sure who they were or really didn't know exactly what their role might be, but it does feel like Jalen Harrell and Josiah Stewart are in a good position, at least at this point, to be a factor on the edge of that defense. So I think the defense at this point looked a little bit further ahead of the offense, but that's to be expected because the offense didn't have that solid continuity throughout. I think Michigan's going to be really good, really good this upcoming year. And I'm excited to see what they do throughout the course of the summer and fall camp to improve on where they might've struggled a little bit on Saturday afternoon. All right. Next question comes from Kevin in North Carolina. What do you think of Michigan getting Jaden Davis from Charlotte? That's the second top 50 QB prospect for Jim Harbaugh in the last four seasons. Well, he's, he's the 10th player to commit during this current recruiting cycle. And he's the only, you know, he's some services have him as a four star. Others have him as a five star. Either way, he's one of the only five star quarterbacks, or at least considered a five star quarterbacks in the entire class. So you look at what that did for Michigan's class. I mean, according to some, it has him all the way up to number three in, in the recruiting rankings. So Jim Harbaugh has got it going right now. Plus everybody sees, I mean, there's a possibility after this year, JJ McCarthy, it's going to go on and he's going to jump into the NFL after what he probably thinks is going to be a great 2023 campaign. He'd be draft eligible uh, next year's quarterback class. A couple question marks, I suppose someone that's probably going to come to the forefront. There's two guys that everyone seems to be talking about with Caleb Williams and Drake may to be expected. JJ McCarthy, if he has a big year, maybe he can join that mix. Who knows? We'll see exactly uh, what happens, but I think they are positioning themselves. Michigan is, and the guys that are looking at the roster and looking at the opportunities are saying, hey, man, there's there's going to be an opportunity for me to compete for a starting job and maybe be the guy in 2024. So I, I think there's a really, really good chance that Michigan continues to attract high-level quarterback prospects. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has reaffirmed his commitment to Michigan again after hearing overtures from the NFL. The last two seasons, he's spurned both opportunities that have been presented both in 2021 and 2022. So I think the question marks surrounding that have only reaffirmed the possibilities of more quarterback prospects considering Ann Arbor 
as their home. So plus they also got their NIL money dialed in. I mean, Michigan's in a good spot as far as that is concerned because it's a high profile program and your earning potential as the quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines is sky high. As good as any other place in the country, like Ohio State, Alabama, USC, you name it, Michigan's right there. So uh, I think it's going to continue to attract big time prospects and we'll see whether or not Davis can potentially be a guy that is in the mix as the starter in 2024 if McCarthy decides to declare early for the NFL draft. All right, great show today. More stuff coming up later this week. Look, we are also going to look ahead. We know it's Masters Week too, so we're going to we're going to tee it up, if you will, no pun intended or pun intended. I'm- I don't care. I'm I'm corny. I like corny jokes. Why not? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Maybe your ideal group that you would like to go on a golf trip with. Maybe amongst head coaches in college football. Maybe we have a little topic like that. Have some fun with it. I also think we need to do at some point here in the next few weeks, we need to do a spring game expectations guide. We'll get to that. Wednesday, we have a great show. We're going to kind of check and see where some fan bases are emotionally. So you're going to want to check back here in a couple of days because we might talk about some emotions and we might have to have some people lay on the couch and have a therapy session because life is not coming to an end for some of these programs. Everyone seems to think the sky is falling. It might not be. It also doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win a championship this year. So we'll do a little bit of a therapy session here coming up in a couple of days as well. But it was a great show today. Great discussion on Michigan. Great discussion on the shoes that have to be filled for all the different quarterback vacancies across college football with teams that are hoping to make a run at the college football playoff. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack, for Mark, for Jake, I'm Greg. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.